book is so awesome. I can do anything. This book is so awesome. I am the potions king. Did you hear that half book prince? I said I was the king. Can you hear me, Professor Snape? I can make anything. This book is so awesome. Hi, my name is Joel Watson. And I'm Lily Watson. And you're listening to Potter and Daughter, the Harry Potter podcast, where I talk to my seven-year-old daughter as she reads through... The Harry Potter series of books. This week, we are uh, following up with our discussion on Harry Potter book three. What's it called? The Prisoner of Azkaban. The Prisoner of Azkaban. We finished on chapter seven. This brings us to chapter eight. Flight of the Fat Lady. Right? Yeah. Now, before we get started, there's two Harry Potter related things that I wanted to start off with. Number one is we had a bit of Harry Potter in our real lives about a week ago when you tried a very special box of candy. What was it? Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Beans. Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Beans have somehow been transported from the wizard world into the boring old muggle world via the, uh, what are they called? Uh, Jelly Belly (laughs) Candy Company. That has licensed the Birdie Butt Every Flavor Beans. I wanted to very briefly talk about your uh, experience with those and whether or not you recommend them. As we know from the books, the Every Flavor Bean can be... Any flavor. Every flavor. (laughs) It can be be cherry. It can be grass. It can be... Vomit. Chocolate. It can be vomit. I I actually tasted vomit. Well, let's talk about the ones you liked and the ones you didn't like. Of the ones you liked, were they all just... Normal flavors, like any kind of jelly bean? No. They weren't? They they actually, um, s- um, they didn't taste like the thing they were named, but no, it didn't taste like regular jelly bean flavors. I'm saying, did you have any that were regular cherry bubblegum? Um, I did have cotton candy. Was that, that one was pretty good? Yeah. Okay, what, and then what? disgusting flavors did you try? Because there were some pretty gross-out ones on there. I tried earthworm, dirt, and vomit. They were all pretty gross. How was... uh, It's from all of those, it sounds like vomit's the worst. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I had to spit that one out. (laughs) Did you swallow any of those? Um, I think I swallowed, like, half of the earthworm. Now, there was one of them that you said was a weird, gross flavor that actually tasted pretty good. Earwax. Earwax? It tasted really... It actually tasted pretty good. What did it taste like? Um, it's really hard to describe the flavors of these beans. I guess you just have to stick your finger in your ear and suck on your finger to know what it tastes like, huh? No. I wonder if it really tastes like earwax. It didn't. Was it salty? No. I don't... Ugh. Okay. So, uh, would you recommend... Because it took you about a month after getting this box of Every Flavor Beans. Maybe more. I think you even got them at Christmas. So it took you several months to actually eat them. I I got it around Christmas time because that's when I was sick. Because you were kind of worried about them being... Actually, Every Flavor. Too gross. Yeah. Yeah. So having finished the box, out of the, you know, probably 30 or so jelly beans in there, maybe four or five of them were super gross... Uh, would you recommend them to people? Um, 
Maybe. Was it a worthwhile experiment? Yes. Okay. So it's worth trying some weird stuff just to see what will happen, I guess. Second thing. Actually. Oh, yes. Go ahead. Actually, um, they did smell like what they were supposed to be. (laughs) Well, what does an earthworm smell like? I'm not really sure. I don't know. I I guess I know what vomit smells like, and it's one of the worst smells there is. Yeah. So. I'm I'm really disappointed. I'm really disappointed that I smelled that. Yeah, that, that, that's that's pretty disgusting. I I know. There, having been alive so, as long as I have, there's not a whole lot you could do to convince me to eat something vomit flavored. I've tried plenty of stuff. I try new things, uh, but if you tell me something is intended to taste and smell like vomit, I will happily pass. <laughs> And uh, move on with my life as an adult who can make his own decisions. The soap actu- um, actually smelled really good. Did it taste good? Yeah. The soap tasted good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that so that's your review of Birdie Bot's Every Flavored Beans. Uh, give them a try. Spit them out if they're gross. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure they're still available. The Tutti Fruity ones are pretty good. I know they were available at Christmas. I don't know if they're still available everywhere. But you can get them online. You can probably get them on Amazon or something. Second piece of news that I wanted to address. Uh, You know, I went to a comic convention in Seattle last week. And lots of people came up to me and said that they had been listening to the podcast. Yay. They liked it a lot. And they liked you. And I said, thank you. But when I left for that convention, uh, you know, the audience for this podcast was, was very small. And when I came back... I just checked it earlier today, and the audience for the podcast has almost quadrupled since last week. So I couldn't figure out why. So I started doing some research, and it turns out since last week, this podcast, Potter and Daughter, Mm -hmm. uh, at its highest on April 3rd, which was just a few days ago, was number 39 on the iTunes UK charts for podcasts. For all podcasts in the whole world, it was the 39th most popular uh, in the UK. Do you know where the UK is? Uh-uh. That's uh, Britain, England. That's where Harry Potter takes place, Scotland. That's, uh, so this is, and certainly that's where J.K. Rowling is from. So apparently something happened and... Uh, it just exploded. In a way, yeah. So anyway, thank you to uh, our new UK listeners. I'm not sure what happened <laughs> or, or how this happened, but uh, I do appreciate it. And uh, as of right now, we stand at number, I think, 50-something, 50 53 or something on the iTunes UK charts. But they only chart the top 100, and that's 100 out of thousands and thousands and thousands. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, we got a pretty good deal there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, enough of that. Back to Harry Potter. Harry Potter, uh, <laughs> chapter eight, Prisoner of Azkaban, and it is called uh, Flight of the Fat Lady, which certainly refers to the uh, Guardian of the Gryffindor Common Room, uh, which is a painting of an opera singer, right? Yeah. Is she a great opera singer? No. Not really a great opera singer. Yeah, once I saw that um, in the movie, and this may even be in the book, um, she was trying to scream so loud that a glass would break, and she kept on screaming for 
for like 10 seconds, and then you just smash the glass against the wall. I have a feeling that's more of a movie gag. I'm not sure if they cover that in the book, but uh, at this point in the books, uh, Professor Lupin is our defense against the dark arts teacher for the year. No one keeps that post very long, so... Yeah, it's only one year each. Well, it's not supposed to be. It's just bad things tend to happen to those teachers. Uh, But at this point, it's everyone's favorite class. Can you think of why everyone is enjoying that class, maybe more than some of their other professors? um, Defense Against the Dark Arts. With Professor Lupin, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think they would like it more because he actually... Like teaches them in a good way. He, um, he gets them involved. Yeah, yeah. He actually, he, he actually lets them face some of some of the monsters they're learning about. Yeah, they 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 faced boggarts. They later uh, later study a monster called red caps. I don't know what those are. Uh, they're sort of a goblin-like creature. Uh, and then Kappas, which are water dwellers that look like scaly monkeys. And Hinky Punks. And Hinky Punks. And I think those Kappas, the water dwellers that look like scaly monkeys, might be the little demon goblin mermaid children <laughs> that we see in the movie, uh, in the next movie, in movie four, mm. when Harry is doing his underwater trials in the uh, Triwizard Tournament. Uh, so, anywho. You're not supposed to say that. Oh, yeah, no. Everyone's already read all these. So. Not everyone. Saying that the next book is called, or involves a Triwizard Tournament is not really a spoiler. Uh, but. I uh, suppose that is true. So, anywho. Everyone likes this guy because he's, he's getting him involved. He's teaching him real world, applicable uh, wizarding stuff that, that, you know, they're not. Most wizard children are probably not likely to fight monsters. Hogwarts wizard children probably are. <laughs> they're, not, they're not supposed to be. But they are. But it seems like, you know, stuff bad stuff happens at Hogwarts, so it's probably pretty good that they're learning some spells. And uh, Professor Snape, obviously, uh, you know, probably not too happy that everyone likes Lupin. And not him. We don't know why yet, but we already know that Snape and Lupin do not get along. And we uh, we know that Snape wants that job. Very much. But he never gets to be it. <laughs> so he's not happy. Uh, and Harry is not having a great time in Professor Trelawney's divination class. Uh, but some of the girls are enjoying it. Do you remember who? Um, Definitely not Hermione. Nope. Because she s- stands up and leaves class. Yeah, she thinks early. it's silly. No, Pravati Patel and uh, Lavender Brown are really enjoying her classes. I think they enjoy the sort of... Uh, dreamy aspect of it. Uh, but she has already uh, predicted some negative things for the kids' lives. Uh, she tells, I know she tells at least one girl that something bad will happen on, like, Thursday. and Yeah, the thing she is dreading will happen on Friday, October something. But no one thinks she's serious. Everyone thinks she's full of bull, right? Yeah. Okay, so they are looking forward to Quidditch, though. Quidditch is about to start. And uh, Wood is telling them this is going to be his last year because he's graduating. And what is his goal for this year? Something he's never done before. To win the... um, To win the Quidditch Cup. Yeah. So historically, uh, Gryffindor's team has not won that much. 
They might not be the uh, the best Quidditch team in the last few years. And Wood, uh, Quidditch is his life, right? Yeah. He wants to take home this victory as one final thing to uh, finish off his school career, right? Yeah. I bet he's hoping that Harry is going to help with that because we already know that Harry is a, is a pretty fair Quidditch player, right? <laughs> yeah, you could say. Okay, so uh, they're coming back from Quidditch practice and Harry... Harry, Harry Here's that uh, there's going to be a Hogsmeade weekend soon, uh, around Halloween. And what is a Hogsmeade weekend? It's where um, you get to go to this village near Hogwarts called Hogsmeade. And um, there's like a bunch of shops, like um, like a joke shop and... Um, Honey Dukes, which is um, a wizard candy shop. Is that the... No, that's not... The ice cream shop is on... Uh, is in London. I don't think the ice cream shop's in Hogsmeade. Okay. Florida... Florida, Florida Skews? Flourish and Blots. No, that's not... Not no. Flourish and Blots. Florida, Florine Florida Skew. I can't remember her name. Florida Skew. I think that's in London. I think that's in uh, Diagon Alley. That might be in Hogsmeade. I don't remember. Anywho. Whatever. It's going to be a fun time. Everyone gets to go, right? No, you have um, a parent or a guardian has to sign a permission slip. Well, certainly Harry's going to have no trouble with that. Yeah, he is. Why does he have trouble with that? Because um, after what happened, um, the Dursley, um, the Dursleys would never um, let him go. What happened with Aunt Marge? Yeah. Yeah. So there, even if. It doesn't affect them at all, simply because it would be fun for Harry. Why would they reward him when they hate him so much? Yeah, that's just it. They wouldn't. They don't want him to have fun ever. They wouldn't even know about it. You know, they wouldn't. They wouldn't see it. They wouldn't hear it. But they would know that off somewhere in the world, Harry was having a good time, and that would ruin their day. Even if they don't even know what time or what yeah, place. Yeah, they're just awful, awful people. And so Harry knows this. He uh, he thinks he's going to be able to somehow convince McGonagall to sign the letter for him. Probably the um, least best person to... Yeah, she's not a rule breaker. And it, it's, it's uh, unclear whether Harry wants her to, like, forge their signatures or if he wants her to sign and just say, I'm allowing Harry to go. Either way, I don't know. That's a very childish thing to do. He should know that uh, asking your teacher to break her own rule is probably not the way to go. He might have had better luck talking to Lupin or Hagrid or somebody. <laughs> yeah. You know? Or maybe even Dumbledore. I mean, he's pretty. He's a pretty leeway guy sometimes. At, at this point, Harry doesn't have much of a relationship with Dumbledore, though. They really have not spent a lot of time one-on-one uh, -on -one by book three. And so I don't think, I think they still view Dumbledore as this figure who's at the very top of their sort of hierarchy and uh, maybe not accessible directly by children until someone's almost dead. And then he shows up uh, to help out. So uh, everyone wants to go to Hogsmeade, though. Uh, Fred and George want to get more, uh, you know, joke stuff. I think they want to get some stink pellets, which seems like something I would not want to be set off near me. <laughs> And uh, and then one of Professor Trelawney's uh, predictions comes true. Do you remember what happens? Um, 
her prediction that the thing that girl was dreading actually happened. Lavender Brown, she told her the thing you're dreading will happen. And her rabbit, her familiar, was killed by a fox on the day, the 16th of October. Familiar? Uh, that's an animal who is in service of a witch or wizard, like Crookshanks or oh. Scabbers or Hedwig. I don't even know if they say familiar in these books, but that's what those things are. Okay. So, anywho, uh, so now maybe Professor Trelawney knows what she's talking about. And she's already made some pretty dire predictions for Harry, right? Yeah. So, if her predictions start coming true, but, uh, that spells bad news for Harry. But somebody tells Harry that she predicts a student's death every year, and they never... So far, it hasn't it. happened, yeah. So, so maybe not. Uh, so, Halloween comes, and uh, the students head off to Hogsmeade. I assume since it's called a Hogsmeade weekend, that means they stay for a few days. Maybe they stay at one of the inns. They don't... If I'm not mistaken, I feel like they don't address that. Uh, or maybe they just go every day, stay all day, and then go sleep back in their dorms. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. But uh, but it seems like they go a few days in a row. I'm not sure. So, uh, obviously, Harry does not get McGonagall to let him to go. He's got to stay behind. And he uh, heads back into Hogwarts, and he runs into Professor Lupin, right? And uh, Lupin's just hanging out. Wait, I thought that was Fred George. No, no, no. Harry, uh, he gets called by Professor Lupin. Oh. And Lupin shows him a Grindylo, which is a water demon, that they'll be using in their next lesson. Yeah, I don't remember that. They start talking about their previous lessons. And Harry asks Professor Lupin, why didn't you let me, why did you jump between me and the Boggart? And what does Lupin tell him? He tells him that um, I, th- I thought you were going to turn the Boggart into Voldemort. And Harry says, I was thinking about him, but then I thought of the Dementors. Yeah, and so he, he thought he would scare the other children. Uh, but realistically, Harry doesn't actually know what Voldemort looks like. He knows what... Voldemort's face looked like on the back of Quirrell's head. So I guess he would see Quirrell with his turban off? Maybe. <laughs> um, obviously, there's no pictures of Voldemort hanging around Hogwarts. Or so. maybe he saw him as a ghost or something. Yeah, he might, I'm sure he has a picture in his mind of what Voldemort probably looks like. Uh, and people have maybe described that he has, uh, you know, snake-like features or... Uh, you know, he, he's got a warped appearance and black robes and, and various things like that. But, but at the moment, Harry was not currently plagued by Voldemort, and he was currently being plagued by Dementors. So that was the thing he feared at the most right at that now. time. Uh, Snape shows up, and he has a potion for Professor Lupin, but they kind of keep it secret. They seem like they don't want to talk too much about what the potion's for or... Why he's bringing it to him, right? Yeah. So the rest of the class, uh, they come back from Hogsmeade. Ron has got, uh, he's he got a bunch of gifts for Harry to make him feel better. Uh, they went to Dervish and Bangs. They went to Zonko's. They went to the Three Broomsticks and had Butterbeer. I've only heard of one of those. Uh, well, you know Zonko's and you definitely know the Three Broomsticks, right? Zonko's is the joke shop. Oh. And Dervish and Bangs, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was the name of the joke shop. 
Yeah, they they talk about Zonkos maybe more in the books you haven't read yet. So, uh, but they 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 mentioned Zonkos, and I always think Zonkos is in Diagon Alley, but I guess it's not. Um, I guess it's in Hogsmeade. So anyway, uh, and they uh, and they have the three the three broomsticks. They have butterbeer. So they bring Harry some stuff back to sort of try and make him feel better, maybe. But there is a big Halloween feast that night, and. Uh, after dinner, they go back to the, the Gryffindor common room, but they can't get in. What has happened? The fat lady has disappeared. And what state is her painting in? It's all scratched up and ripped. Yeah, uh, it looks like an animal has attacked her painting. Yeah, like they took one of their claws and just ripped really hard. So they call Professor Dumbledore. Uh, Peeves shows up. And sort of gives some information, right? What does Peeves say happened to the fat lady's painting? Um. He says he knows who did it. Yeah. So who did it? Um. Um. Perhaps the. It was. Main bad guy. That we know of I'm of this whole book. Remem- I'm trying to remember his name. Sirius Black. Sirius Black. Uh, Peeves said it was Sirius Black, and he was there looking for blood. He was out there to kill. But why? Uh, why would Sirius Black be able to scratch up a painting? I wonder, like an animal. Because he had a knife. Perhaps. Perhaps he had a knife. He did. Perhaps he didn't need one. Yeah, I was. Considering all we know about Sirius Black. He still had one. Okay. <laughs> so, anywho, uh, one thing to think about with this chapter, and that's the end of the chapter, uh, obviously the flight of the fat lady is her running away from the painting. Um, one thing to think about with this chapter is that uh, all the kids seem to really enjoy Lupin's lessons, but by comparison to the other teachers, they seem easier. Because uh, basically he's just saying, here's this thing, confront it. Here's how you defeat it. Uh, with the other classes, like Trelawney's and Snape's, there's a lot of reading. There's a lot of busy work. Uh, there's a lot of having to figure it out on your own. Yeah, so what do you think is a more effective way of sort of engaging a student or a class? Uh, having them, you know, read and research and think about a real problem or actually just do the real problem in real life and and uh, and figure out the solution as they go? The first one, make them learn from their mistakes, basically. Well, the first one, what I said, was just reading and researching. I know, still. You think that's the better way to do it? I would say, at least for certain types of learners, including myself, that the practical method, which is the hands-on way of doing things, teaches a a faster lesson and maybe one that you remember better than the uh, sort of... uh, theoretical approach, which is just read this chapter, and if it says perhaps maybe someday you will encounter a boggart, here's what might happen. Here's what maybe you should do. And you leave thinking, okay, well, if I ever encounter a boggart, I guess I read that chapter and I know what to do. But if someone said, hey, here's a boggart, here's how to defend yourself, and you have to do it, you might remember that better down the road, right? I guess so. It's possible. Everyone learns differently. I would say for people like Harry, that's definitely the better way to learn. 
for people like Hermione. The second way. The second way, the practical way. For people like Hermione, the theoretical approach might be better. Yeah, plus she would love doing that. <laughs> well, yeah, it just depends on how you take in knowledge and how you retain it and then how you can spit it back out. Uh, everybody's different, but certainly since these books are focused on Harry, it seems like Lupin is a ideal teacher for Harry. I think Harry would rather spend time with teachers like Lupin and Hagrid and people that just give him something and tell him how it works and tell him what to do and and then he That's does it. That's it. Bang, bang, boom. And he does it for real and then his brain and his body remember what to do the next time it happens. So something to think about. The, the different Hogwarts teachers uh, certainly have their own... Technique. Technique, their own style, absolutely. Chapter 9, Grim Defeat. Uh, Dumbledore wants the whole castle searched. If Black is in here, first of all, that means he got past the Dementors. It means he got past all the teachers. And any other security that Hogwarts might have. Like, I don't... I wouldn't assume Hogwarts' front door is left open. <laughs> so... All the teachers, go look for Sirius Black. Kids, go to sleep. There's something that I didn't understand, and um, that I didn't understand what what I saw in the movie. Okay. Um, okay, so they knew that Black was in the castle. Mm-hmm. So, and and then they like shut all the windows and locked the door with like a million locks. So. Doesn't that mean Black is locked in? Possibly. <laughs> it might mean he can't get out, but that might mean they can catch him as opposed to just scaring him off. I don't know. They do make all the kids sleep in the Great Hall, so they have one room to uh, protect instead of a bunch of common rooms and a bunch of dorms. But uh, they replaced the fat lady with Sir Cadogan, another painting. And Sir Cadigan has a unusual way of security uh, for the... Sometimes he's kind of annoying. And what does he do that's, that makes it so difficult to get in and out of the Gryffindor common room? He changes the password every week. And even more than that, he seems to be changing it throughout the day sometimes. <laughs> uh, Neville is in charge of writing the passwords down, I believe, but he loses them, I think. Yeah, he writes them down on a piece of paper, and then he drops them somewhere like, How do I get in? But... Some of the teachers are concerned more about Harry than the other students. Uh, Professor McGonagall... No, that's just not right. Professor Mc... Well, because the teachers know what they think Sirius Black is after. And they think he's after Harry, but no one knows that yet. Still. So McGonagall has uh, Harry's Quidditch training sessions uh, supervised. Uh, she wants him to be, more, you know, protected... Uh, Wood announces that they're actually going to be playing Hufflepuff instead of Slytherin. And Hufflepuff has a new seeker. Who is Hufflepuff's new seeker? Somebody who will feature very heavily in the next book. Cedric. Cedric Diggory. I had forgotten completely. Me too. That Cedric was introduced in this book. I don't yeah. think he has a lot of lines. I don't think he shares any real conversation time with Harry. So uh, I also somehow... It never occurred to me that he was a Hufflepuff. I always thought he was a fellow Gryffindor. I thought he was a Hufflepuff. Well, he was. So I said Hufflepuff. Yes, a Hufflepump. <laughs> and so he's the seeker, and maybe what they're saying is he's kind of a formidable opponent, so Harry should be concerned about this. Um, 
Harry shows up for Defense Against the Dark Arts. No Professor Lupin. Who's teaching the class instead? Mr. Snape. Professor Snape. Finally in the uh, room he wants to be in, but that must mean something's wrong. Uh, Snape, Snape skips to the end of their book and picks a new lesson. What is his lesson about? Werewolves. And then Hermione mysteriously appears, and she's like, But sir, we've just been learning about red caps and hinky punks. Yeah, he's like, I don't care. We're skipping to we're, we're skipping to werewolves. You guys need to know about werewolves. <laughs> For like no particular reason at all. So he's like, uh, first of all, he's like, why don't any of you know how to identify a werewolf? And I'm like, perhaps it's because it's at the end of the book and they haven't gotten there yet. And we have never even. They're just kids. Yeah, they're like, oh, um, okay, what do we do? Yeah, so Hermione wants to give the answer. Snape doesn't let her. He he seems more concerned about his personal grudges than actually educating any of the students. Yeah. Uh, he does not like Hermione. He doesn't like Harry. He doesn't like Ron. He doesn't like anybody. Well, he likes Slytherins, but the whole point is we'll, we'll learn soon that his entire lesson for, his entire reason for teaching a lesson about werewolves uh, is to cause more trouble. Uh, just to be... I don't know, just to ruin uh, people's reputations and, and cause problems. Also, um, he he is, um, like, basically he's giving a hint to someone's secrets. <laughs> yeah, and he, like I say, he's trying to, he's trying to out someone and, and ruin their reputation. And uh, he doesn't have the student's best interest in mind, and he's not looking out for his fellow teachers. And all of that will become clear. And he doesn't even care. Very soon. That the that the students are probably going to all get horrible grades. So what is the situation uh, the next day when the Quidditch match starts? What's the? Uh... Actually, I just I just wanted to um um reminds um everybody about something funny Ron said. What's that? When um Hermione. Is in and she she says, "Sir, we've just been learning about red caps and hanky punks." After that, Ron whisper shouts to Harry, "When did she come in? Did you see her come in?" Yeah, they they're pointing out that uh, Hermione just just kind of putting out of thin air appears and and um, appears disappears and reappears like just. This this is not Ron and Harry at their most curious, though, because they seem to be accepting the fact that Hermione is somehow taking more classes than is possible and uh, is appearing and disappearing out of thin air. Because she has, like, three or four classes that are at 9 and 10 o'clock. Right. So they're just kind of accepting it. They're not really... Looking into it that much. Like, okay, this is weird, but whatever. So the next day we've got our big Quidditch match. It's going to be Gryffindor against Hufflepuff. What is the situation like? What's the weather like? It's all it's all raining and thunder and stuff. But for some reason they don't call off the game. They figure this is fine. Everyone whatever. keep going. Just uh, play. Harry sees something. Yeah, they, they only cancel Quidditch. Quidditch match under, like, super serious circumstances. Harry sees something out of the corner of his eye. Uh, what does he see? He sees the snitch. No, he sees the black dog again. Oh. Then he sees wait, wait. Cedric going for the snitch. Wait, doesn't he see 
a cloud that looks like the dog's head? Uh, that's in the movie. Oh, I, oh, that's right. In the book, it says, like, the dog is just floating or something. Yeah, I don't think they specify it's the shape of a cloud, but Harry sees the grim, basically. He sees the sign of the black dog, and he is, again, reminded of his potential bad future that's been predicted. Uh, but they do see Wood going after the snitch, so Harry chases after him. Wait, Wood? Not Wood. Uh, Cedric. Cedric going after the snitch. Harry heads after him. Uh, but then he gets that old familiar feeling, that coldness and bleakness and despair, which and we know is caused by what? The Dementors, and he starts to feel dizzy and confused. And he looks dense. down, and there's like a hundred Dementors down there. Yeah. Uh, more than he's seen before. Dumbledore was like, I don't even know how to describe it. Well, he has a vision inside his head. Something that he probably does not know that he remembers. Do you remember what it was? Uh, he hears a woman's voice. Oh, I thought you were talking about Dumbledore. No, Harry. Um, he hears a woman screaming. Screaming for someone to not kill Harry, but her instead. So obviously, oh, I thought it was just screaming. So obviously he hears his mother's voice begging, Dumbled- begging Voldemort. <laughs> Not to kill Harry. Dumbledore. <laughs> so that's a memory that he's got locked away from when he was, you know, under a year old. Um, Harry also hears a crazy voice laughing, right? But it's a man's voice. But we don't know who that is at the time. I, th- yeah, I don't remember anything about that. So Harry wakes up in the hospital wing and Fred and George kind of fill him in. What happened with the Quidditch match? Um, um, once the Dementors came on, well, first of all, they're not supposed to come on school grounds. They're just supposed to, like, stay outside in the barriers of Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, but they came onto the grounds, and, um, Dumbledore was furious. He... Um, he put a spell on Harry called Arresto Memento or mm-hmm. something to make him sleep, um, or, or something To make like him that. slow down. Slow down. Um. As he was falling off of his broom. Yeah, um, and the Dementors were all heading for him because I guess they were all heading for his soul or something. Yeah, so it seemed like they were just intentionally attacking Harry, uh, which certainly is not what they were hired to do or why they're allowed to be anywhere near Hogwarts. Uh, so the Quidditch game ended, unfortunately, with Hufflepuff winning fair and square. The game was not called off. Harry fell off his broom. That, and that doesn't seem fair because of the mentors. Well, it, they make it sound like Diggory caught the snitch moments before the Dementors kind of showed up. So... Uh, yeah, and they tried to call off the game, but, but you know, they didn't. So uh, Hufflepuff wins. Dumbledore saves Harry from hitting the ground. Something bad happens to Harry's broom. prized Nimbus 2000 broom. What happens? It, um, in all the commotion, it flew off um, on, out of the grounds and, um, onto, and into 
the Whomping Willow, the worst possible thing it could have run into. And we know from uh, what the Whomping Willow did when Harry and Ron crashed a car into it that it earns its name by beating the crap out of stuff, right? (laughs) So it beats up Harry's broom, destroys it. He loses, uh, he loses his, probably his favorite possession at this point, right? Now this is what confuses me. Um, if it gets smashed by the Whomping Willow, how do they get the pieces back? They do in the movie. Seems like maybe they just kind of smashed it up and then they all sort of flew away. And they were able to get it without getting hit by the, uh... Willow. Yeah. So, that's unfortunate. So after Harry's, uh fall during the Quidditch match, he has to stay in the hospital wing for the rest of the weekend. And this takes us to the chapter 10, the Marauder's Map, which is soon to be explained (laughs) what that is. So uh, Harry's worried that he's seen the Grimm now two times. It seems like Professor Trelawney's uh, predictions are coming true. They may be coming true about him as well. And later on, we'll learn that Professor Trelawney is, you know, not that bad of a uh, at divination. She just doesn't know how to control it, really. Yeah. But she's, you know, she's kind of two for two on two of these it's predictions like, now. Look in your deepest mind area. <laughs> your deepest mind area. <laughs> That's. I think she. <coughs> I think she said something like that. Okay, so he also realizes at this point that the voice he was hearing was his mother before uh, Voldemort killed her. So now it's a, uh, you know, certainly a very dark memory for him. Uh, It's not just some woman. It's actually the last moments of his mother's life. So he's he's having a bad time, needless to say. And his broom is destroyed. (laughs) So at the next Defense Against the Dark Arts lesson, Professor Lupin is teaching about hinky punks, which is a a goofy name for a thing. I know. Hinky punks. And they look like uh, one-legged wisps of smoke, which I can't even really imagine, which makes me think that's why they were not in the movies, because you can't really imagine what that would look like. So, they're less cute than they sound. It is a cute-sounding name. It's a goofy name, but they're, they're probably evil. So <clears throat> Lupin wants to talk to Harry after class, and he, he feels bad for Harry having lost his broomstick. He mentions that the Whomping Willow was planted the year that Lupin came to Hogwarts, when Lupin was a a first year. So Lupin's probably in his uh, late 30s at this point. Uh, So it's been there for, you know, 20 to 25 years, probably, something like that. So anyway, uh, Lupin explains why the Dementors had such an effect on Harry. What is it? Because... He said, because he said, you have true horrors in your past. Yeah, Harry's seen things and been through things, and that other kids certainly have not. And the loop, the Dementors take away your happiness and your hope. For other kids, if you took away their happiness and their hope, they would just think about, you know, the worst, they would feel as worse as a normal kid would ever feel. For Harry, you take away his happiness and his hope, and he's. Fainted. Well, he's filled with thoughts of his parents dying, of, of the monsters that have tried to kill him, of the horrible people that he's encountered that have 
tried to kill him. I mean, things are trying to kill him all the time. His whole family's dead. I mean, he's got he's got problems, uh, needless to say. The so. Dursleys want him to be dead. Yeah, and then, yeah, he's got this horrible family. So he's got... Uh, or this horrible sort of adopted family. So he's got uh, true darkness in his past, and that's why it's so hard for him to deal with the Dementors. And uh, he wants to know, he asked Lupin how to fight back, right? Yeah. He wants to know how to defend himself. So Christmas is coming, and uh, Ron and Hermione decide to stay at Hogwarts during the holiday. That's unusual for them, right? Is it? They normally go home because they have families. Harry stays there because he doesn't have a choice. Well, he has a choice, but why would you go back to the Dursleys if you... I don't even... The Dursleys <coughs> don't want him to be dead. They don't want him to be alive. They don't want him to be happy. They don't want him. They want him to be sad. They want him to be everything horrible. So yeah. And Harry once again is not allowed to go to a, another Hogsmeade weekend, and so I guess it's only third years that can start going to Hogsmeade because we haven't really you know heard about Hogsmeade before. So yeah, um, it said um, third year. Thirty years and older can go to Hogsmeade. So Harry, uh, you know, he stays back. He reads a book about broomsticks. He's bummed out because his broomstick got smashed. He tries one of the school's broomsticks. No good. <laughs> no. So he's like, I, I'm used to driving a sports car of a broomstick, and I can't go back to this old clunker. I gotta, I gotta get a great fast broomstick. But he, you know, he doesn't. An interesting thing about Harry is he seems to maybe not think about at this point that he is wealthy and has access to all of his money, he could just buy a new broomstick. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, yeah. they make it sound like they're expensive, but he could he could buy one. But he doesn't. Like, you would never... I don't think Harry ever thinks of himself as rich and, and famous. <laughs> no, never, yeah. That's part of his character, is that he... He does not perceive himself the way that the world perceives him. And the world perceives him as not only privileged, but also famous, and also infamous, uh, in that his fame is derived from something rather uh, negative. Uh, not on his part, but, you know, certainly a terrible thing happened that made him famous. And I read that word infamous before, <clears throat> and I thought it said infamous. I was like, wait, what? Uh, infamous means you are famous for uh, potentially negative reasons. or uh, I know what it means. I just thought it, would, it said infamous, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> okay, well, uh, the other thing that Harry people perceive Harry as possibly being more powerful than he is because he survived Voldemort's attack. Uh, they wonder, like, did a baby somehow defeat Voldemort? You know? So anyway, yeah, people definitely perceive him differently than he perceives himself. So he's heading back to Hogwarts, and who does he get stopped by? Fred and George. And they've got a present, an early Christmas present for Harry. What do they give Harry? The Marauder's Map. Tell me about the Marauder's Map. Um, it's obviously a magical piece of parchment, um, that appears to be blank uh -huh. to Harry, but then he's like, what is this rubbish? And <laughs> friend George are like, what's this rubbish, he says, and then they do the spell, I solemnly swear that I am up to no good, and then the parchment starts writing on itself. It says, Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs, 
purveyors of aids to magical mischief makers are proud to present the Marauder's Map. What does the Marauder's Map do? It, sh- it shows um, everything and everyone in Hogwarts. Every way in, every way out, including the ways that not everybody knows about. Yeah, there's secret passages. There's seven ways in and out of Hogwarts, and they mention that I think Filch only knows about four of them. One of them's blocked by a cave-in or something. One of them is blocked by painting, I think. And there's a hidden uh, way that goes straight into Honeydukes. That's right. I remember that. In Hogsmeade. So Harry's like, all right, fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, This map shows me where everyone is. I definitely won't get caught by Snape or Filch or anybody. Or, or, yeah. (laughs) I'm heading off to Honeydukes. And he goes through the passage of the statue of the one-eyed witch. Uh, and he goes through a tunnel. Tunnel goes underground all the way into the cellar of Honeydukes, which is like the basement. Now, at this point, why doesn't Harry go grab his invisibility cloak? I think he does. He doesn't. Not this time. He knows there's teachers there. He knows there's people that know he's not supposed to be there. This is one of those times that Harry has... I'm, I'm getting confused with the movie. I've watched all the movies a lot lately. No. This is one of those times that where people describe Harry as being exceptionally brave and exceptionally stupid. <laughs> um, at the same time, this is one of those things where it certainly takes a lot of bravery to go... Not even really sneaking, just go straight into this place he's not supposed to be. And not even attempt... To disguise himself or hide himself or anything. pretty stupid. I think it's just a lack of planning on his part. He Um, could at least, like, take off his glasses and put on a wig or something. So he gets into Honeydukes, and, uh... Well, I mean, he could also probably do some sort of charm that makes him look somewhat different. Like, maybe... Disguiso... Uh, Mendo or something. Disguiso Mefeso. So, (laughs) he doesn't bother with that. He, uh, heads into Honeydukes... And uh, he runs into Ron, and uh, they're getting, uh, you know, some candy and stuff at Honey Dukes, and they head over to the Three Broomsticks. Madame Rose Murda is the proprietor of the Three Broomsticks, and she is serving drinks to McGonagall, Flitwick, Hagrid, and Fudge, uh, which it seems odd that Fudge would be there with teachers that he doesn't normally Hang out with. Hang out with. But whatever. Their whole purpose is to give a bunch of backstory. They start talking about... about obviously, Sirius Harry. Black and Harry. So what is the... What are the, the details they reveal as Harry is listening in and they don't know he's there? That, um... That Sirius Black, um... Well, first of all, when Lily and James Potter knew that they were being searched, um, they went away into hiding, and they have to have somebody called a secret keeper. Yeah, they do the Fidelius charm. Yeah, and um, they have to choose one of their friends or something to be the secret keeper, and they thought that um, Sirius was their friend, but he gave in to Voldemort and told him where they were hiding. Yeah, by the by the Fidelius charm, if you're keeping a secret, which in this case was their whereabouts, as long as the secret keeper doesn't tell the secret, doesn't tell anyone, that information cannot be known, which means they would have been hidden forever. Uh, Dumbledore offered to be secret keeper, and they're like, no way. 
gotta be gotta be serious. Sirius was James's best man at his wedding. He is Harry's godfather. Yeah, apparently. But it seems as though that he betrayed them in a moment of weakness, or possibly he was always working for Voldemort, Voldemort in the first place. And now he's after Harry. That's what it seems like. He's certainly uh, trying to get in the Gryffindor common room, right? Yeah, because you did, <clears throat> he did see those slice, slice, slices. Yeah, so uh, Hagrid remembers, uh, you know, after, after uh, Voldemort killed Harry's parents, uh, Sirius showed up on his flying motorcycle. And then we, later we see Hagrid on a flying motorcycle. Wait. I'm betting that's the same flying motorcycle. Who has a motorcycle? Sirius Black. Sirius Black shows up to the blown-up Harry Potter parent house, the Potter's house, on his flying motorcycle. And then just a few short days later, Hagrid is using a flying motorcycle to take Harry to Privet Drive. And that matters why? I think it's the same motorcycle. I think Hagrid takes Sirius's motorcycle. Okay. Just an interesting detail. <laughs> I don't think there's a bunch of flying motorcycles around. Since you're not supposed to charm muggle items. Really not. So anywho, uh, the day after Voldemort kills the Potters and dies himself, apparently, is when uh, Sirius shows up and supposedly kills Peter Pettigrew, their friend, and a bunch of muggles, right? Yeah, he he killed 13 muggles um with one charm. He also he also killed Peter Pettigrew and all that was left was a finger. Yep, just a finger. Now Hagrid didn't know, which I bet was pretty messy. <laughs> yeah. Hagrid didn't know that Sirius was the secret keeper or possibly the betrayer. Uh so when he showed up, he uh you know, didn't try and like apprehend him or anything. Um, and it was the day after his parents' death. He goes to kill Pettigrew, and he, the story goes that Pettigrew wanted revenge on Sirius for allowing James to be killed. And Pettigrew got a medal. He got a uh, Order of Merlin first class for his bravery for standing up to Sirius Black. And Sirius Black was sent to Azkaban. And what was his reaction when they caught him? Uh. Do you remember, do you remember the, the sound he made when they mm, caught Sirius Black? No. He laughed hysterically. So everyone assumed he was insane and happy about having killed his friend. Well, I bet he is. So Harry obviously takes all of this as quite a shock. And he is furious. He is now uh, 100% blames this man, Sirius Black, who he doesn't know, but he, he was supposed to be their friend. He was supposed to be their parents, his parents' friend, supposed to be his godfather. He uh, betrayed them, and now they're dead. So it's all his fault, right? Mm-hmm. Chapter 11, The Firebolt. Uh, Harry manages to uh, you know run back to Hogwarts through the tunnels, and he goes to his room looking for the photo album he got from Hagrid, to see if he can find a picture of Black. He wants to know what the uh, the traitor's face looks like, you know? Mm. And uh, the next day, the holidays start, I guess, for Christmas. And Ron and Hermione are warning Harry not to go after Black himself. 
and that he, uh, you know, black's too dangerous. He's not going to survive if he stands up. And they mention again, the finger finger is all that was left. So they decide to go visit Hagrid, maybe for some advice or maybe to calm down. And Hagrid got a sad letter about Buckbeak. What does it say? It says that um, that they're going to execute him. Not yet. It says that he is going to, uh, to the Committee for the Disposal of Dangerous Creatures. Oh. And that if they find him guilty for, you know, then scratching Draco when Draco was doing everything wrong. Plus, it's just... Then he'll be just, executed. It was just a little scratch. Yeah. And if he's found guilty, he'll be executed. So Hermione decides... For no found reason. How, how, how does Hermione solve problems? By looking it up in books. Look it up in books. So she goes to the library. That's her answer for everything. She's usually right. So she uh, goes to the library and she starts researching uh, ways that she might be able to defend Buckbeak. She starts doing research on hippogriffs. On Christmas morning, Harry gets a few presents. uh, uh, A jumper to wear, some mincemeat pies, some Christmas cake, and some nut brittle from Mrs. Weasley. He also gets an anonymous present, and what is it? Um, it's a firebolt. A new broom, and it's a firebolt. The best broom in the world. Currently. You know, the Nimbus 2000 was the best broom in the world, but now the firebolt is. So, yeah. uh, they start to wonder, who could have given him this broom? Who does Hermione think it was? Serious. She thinks it might be a trap, right? Yeah. And uh, Like it might be poisoned once you ride it or something. Now, Crookshanks comes in chasing scabbers, and Harry's sneakoscope goes crazy. Hermione thinks it's because of the broom. Or, or, um, some, I don't, I don't know who, but I think somebody thinks it's broken. Yeah, yeah, Ron says it might not be working because it's cheap. It was a toy one, so it might not be working very well. That's true. So, uh... They have lunch with uh, everybody in the Great Hall, and Hermione has a brief chat with Professor McGonagall, but nobody knows why. And then uh, after they're back in the common room, McGonagall comes in. What does she do with the fireball? Takes it away. She takes it because... Why? Because she's going to inspect it and make sure that it's safe. Yeah, so Hermione kind of, you know, ratted out Harry... He's only had his new present for like five minutes. And now it's gone. It's already gone. But she's probably right. If it was sent by an enemy, it might be designed to harm Harry. He already gets hurt bad enough in Quidditch all the time anyway. So, you know, like with a trick broom, probably get his head chopped off, right? (laughs) So chapter 12, the Patronus. Yes, like that. Chapter 12, the Patronus. Uh, Harry and Ron are not happy with Hermione at this point, right? No. And Wood wants to find out if Harry's going to be ready for the next game. I'm assuming uh, even if he doesn't have a broom, he would use a school broom, but he's not going to be the most effective seeker if he's not as fast as he could be, right? Yeah, seekers need to be like the fastest on the team. And part of Harry's advantage is that since he's been playing Quidditch on the teams, he's had like the best broom of anybody. So, even though he's a good flyer and he's good at being a seeker, the broom is certainly to his advantage. I bet Wood would 
be less enthusiastic, Woodwood, Woodwood <laughs> less enthusiastic about Harry on a regular broom at this point. Especially because he wants to win so badly. <laughs> so Harry has his first anti-Dementor lesson with Professor Lupin. Uh, how does Lupin carry out these anti-Dementor lessons? What do they use? A boggers. Harry th- at first thinks it's a real one. But then Lupin explains, no, that was just a bogger. And even though it's not really a bog, or even though it's not really a uh, Dementor, uh, apparently when a bogger looks like something, it really becomes that thing. Because but, they defend by using the, the charm that you would use to defend against a real Dementor. But the Dementor, um, the, the real kind, would actually be worse. Vi- much worse. Sure, but I mean, they do affect Harry the same way, and they are, uh, you do defend against them the same way, which makes me think they do actually have Dementor powers, at least to some extent. Uh, how do you defend against a Dementor or a Boggart in the shape of a Dementor? You have to, um, do a spell. Um, it's, it's called ex. Expecto Patronum. Yeah, the Patronus charm. You say Expecto Patronum. I guess that means I expect a Patronus. Uh, no, it means I'm. Ex- I think believe it means I'm, like, I'm expelling a Patronus. A Patronus. I'm. I'm generating one. Oh. It'd be nice if it was just I expect a Patronus, but it's not. <laughs> so what is a Patronus? Um, it is a very pa- um magical. Ch- it's a very powerful charm. Um, that once you make it, it turns into an an animal of some sort, and um, it sends the um, um, Dementor or the bogger in the shape of a Dementor away. And a Patronus is not just a Dementor defense; it's an all-around defense. It's uh, it's a it really? yeah. It's it's going to factor in heavily in the rest of the series. That your Patronus is sort of like your spirit guardian, and you can use it to defend against all sorts of attacks. Mr. Uh, Weasley's is like a weasel or something. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Which yeah. makes sense. We don't know this yet, because no one knows how to do a Patronus yet, but uh, I think uh, like Hermione's is a is a otter, yeah, I think? Yeah, it's an otter, and Ron's is like a platypus or something. I don't remember. <laughs> Harry's is a stag. A stag. It's a male deer. Oh. And, uh, you know, everyone's got theirs, so... Everyone's got something weird. And Dumbledore's is a phoenix because he has a pet phoenix. Yeah. And McGonagall's is... Probably a cat, wouldn't you think? It's a cat. Yeah, so uh, the Patronus is a very powerful uh, protective charm to have in a wizard's, you know, bag of tricks. Um... Harry's not supposed to be learning this. Kids don't learn it. No one's supposed. To, no one his age is supposed to be learning it. So, so how does it go the first time? Does he does he knock the the Dementor on its butt? Nope. What happens to him? He gets knocked on his butt. <laughs> yeah, he gets knocked out just like if it was a real Dementor. He goes to sleep or he he faints, and uh, Lupin wakes him up with some chocolate frogs, and he does a uh, he does it again. And uh, this time, he not, not only hears his mom screaming, he hears his father screaming. And uh, so the, 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 the visions he's having are getting worse. Lupin does a ridiculous charm and sends the boggart away. 
Uh, but they're going to keep trying, right? Uh-huh. So he's not doing so great Wait, just yet. I thought he did it the second time. No, the second time he's... At this point during this whole session, he's just not doing that great. Uh, I'm still thinking about the movie. The, in the movie, it's all condensed. It's all shortened. Uh, so Slytherin has beaten Ravenclaw at Quidditch, which means Gryffindor is going to face Slytherin. Quidditch? Yes. Oh, I thought it was Quidditch. Oh, come on. Don't critique my pronunciation. Sorry. Slytherin has beaten Ravenclaw at Quidditch, and they're going to be uh, facing Gryffindor in the House Cup. So Wood has more team practices. He's super enthusiastic about this uh, final House Cup of his school career. I mean, you get the impression that Wood might want to go do Quidditch professionally, so it'd be nice on his resume if he had a led a team to a House Cup, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron, uh, or, or in addition to the extra practices and the anti-Dementor lessons, Harry doesn't have much time to do his homework. This might be the point where he starts copying Hermione's homework. I can't remember for <laughs> sure. But he definitely uh, does some questionable student activities this year where he, you know, he wants people to forge his signatures to let him go to Hogsmeade. He wants being, to copy Hermione's homework. Being brave and stupid. He's more concerned at this point about Dementors and Quidditch than he is about uh, actually learning a lot of stuff. Yeah, so he he doesn't really care about school right now. Um, Hermione, however, uh, seems to be kind of getting stressed out by all the classes she's taking because she's, again, no one's asking her how, but they're getting, uh, you know, uh, reports from other students that are like, oh, Hermione never misses Muggle Studies. And Ron's like, well, how's she doing muckle studies if, if it's at the same time of... Divination or something. Divination or care of magical creatures, you something know? Something like that. Yeah, so how... And then they're, they're just kind of like, uh, I don't know. They just kind of stop asking at that point. So, But Hermione's stressed out. She's tired. She's uh, starting to miss classes. Um, you know, Ron's curious, but not super curious, I guess. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> Harry still doesn't have his room back at this point, and he's told it's being tested for all sorts of curses and hexes, but he can't have it back. Uh, and he's not having the best progress with his anti-Dementor lessons. It seems like sort of months are going by during this chapter where he doesn't have his broom, he's trying his lessons, he's trying to learn how to fight Dementors. Hermione's stressed out. Hermione's stressed out, and they're just kind of in this routine. Uh, Lupin tells Harry... About the Dementors kiss. What is this? Um, it sounds like the Dementors are going to kiss you, but it really means they're going to suck out your soul. Yeah, this is sort of the ultimate punishment. Uh, it would leave your body just sort of a zombie husk. It's like you're walking the earth as a nobody. You, you're basically a zombie. You're kind of a walking dead at this point. So, uh, it, it, you know, never-ending torment. Uh, pretty bad deal. And he says, this is what waits Sirius Black if and when he's captured. Because the Ministry has approved the Dementor's kiss on him, right? Mm-hmm. Harry finally gets his broom back. And they uh, they decide, you know what? Let's smooth things over with Hermione. I've got my broom back. No reason to be mad at her anymore. So they go find Hermione. Neville is at the entrance to the Gryffindor common room... This is where he's lost the passwords. He wrote them down, but uh, he lost them. He doesn't want to get in. Harry says the password, which is currently Odds Bodkins. 
Odds Bodkins. Odds Bodkins. And uh, they get in the common room, and everyone's freaking out over the firebolt. Um, Ron takes it upstairs, and Harry is talking with Hermione. And there's a yell, and Ron comes down. And what has Ron discovered? That, um, that Scabbers is gone. Scabbers is gone. There's a bloody sheet, and there are cat hairs. Everywhere. Everywhere. So he thinks that... That um, Crookshanks killed Scabbers. Pretty upset. So they're trying to make up with Ron, uh, with Hermione, and now Ron and Hermione are angry at each other. Uh, this starts as... Well, before we go to the next chapter, this chapter 12 is called The Patronus. One thing that I think is interesting to point out is in an interview, uh, somebody asked J.K. Rowling, the author of these books, um if there was one spell that she could bring to life in the real world, which one would it be? Do you know what she said? The Patronus? The Patronus. She thinks that having that sort of friendly protection uh, would be the coolest thing if she could only choose one and that it would be useful in real life if you were ever being uh, attacked or in some way uh, tormented that a Patronus would be very helpful. So chapter 13... Uh, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. Sounds like it's going to be Quidditch related. (laughs) Ron and Hermione are furious at each other. Their pets have possibly killed each other. They are, uh, they've never been, you know, the pets have never been friends, but now it seems like it's really gone to its final uh, sort of conclusion here and things are bad. Uh, Harry has his final practice before a match against Ravenclaw, which it sounds like if Gryffindor wins, they might get into the Quidditch Cup at this point. Uh, Madam Hooch checks out the Firebolt, and when comparing it to the Nimbuses and the Clean Sweeps and the Silver Arrows, these other brooms they use, I think she's thinking it's probably the best one. They mentioned that the professional Quidditch teams are going to be using Firebolts next year. Mm. So Harry's definitely got an advantage over anyone who does not have a Firebolt, uh, especially in terms of Seekers, right? Because the Seekers have to be the fastest. Yeah. So Wood gets everybody together. He tells them that Ravenclaw's got a new seeker. Remember who it is? Said, wait, no. It's Cho Chang. So in this book, I have forgotten that we are introduced to both Cedric Diggory and, and Cho, Cho Chang. Chang. They're both seekers. Wait, I, yeah, I thought Cho Chang was at a different school or something. No, I guess she, she's, a, she's a Ravenclaw. She's I here. Not. Uh, and obviously these two factor heavily to the next book, so... Uh, it's interesting that they were just passing names here and I forgot about them. And then they show up as major characters in okay. book four. Book. And Cho is a major, major character in book five. So Oh, I, yeah, I do not know that yet. So she's also got a special broom called a Comet 260. It's apparently a pretty fast one, too. So Harry, uh, during this Quidditch match, he sees the snitch and he's going to go after it. But then what appears on the field? A d- Dementor? Three Dementors. Now, the last time it was like a hundred. <laughs> and now it's only three. This time it's three. And he's like, forget this. I know how to defeat these guys now. What spell does he cast? Expecto Patronum. And he sees sort of a silvery white Thingy. thing coming out of his wand. But he doesn't faint. And he catches the snitch, and he wins the game. 
But it turns out... It, he was able to defeat the Dementors because they weren't really Dementors. What were they? Yes, Malthoy, Crab, and Goyle. Yeah, so they get in trouble, but for some reason not expelled or suspended or, or even removed from Quidditch because they're in the next game, which is ridiculous. Uh, it seems like trying to intentionally uh, cause someone to faint or fall off their broom and get hurt would, that, would have a more severe punishment. That wouldn't happen because they're not real, so. What's that? Th- that wouldn't happen because they're not actually the Mendors. But what they did, they, didn't, they don't know why Harry faints. Oh. They're trying to hurt him badly. They thought that it would work because just anything that looks right. like a dementor. Their intentions were very cruel, and uh, they should have been punished more severely than that. So Gryffindor is super happy about their victory, but one Gryffindor in particular is not celebrating. Who is off by herself reading books? Hermione. Hermione is on the outs with Ron, and she's uh, not feeling so great. She's stressed out about school. And she's reading a book that I think is pretty interesting, Home Life and Social Habits of British Muggles. Because they can't even imagine what a muggle would do at home. It's like they're reading about animals huh. or, or a, or a uh, extinct species of ancient human, you know. And so I, I can only imagine that their book is about, you know, they have dinner, they watch some TV. <laughs> have some ice cream. They relax. When Maybe they uh, brush their teeth, tuck their kids in bed, do their homework, comb their hair. Yeah, it's just odd. Bed. Sometimes they go to a movie on the weekends. I just can't imagine what would be in this book that would be. Of course, you know, we learned from uh, Mr. Weasley that they really just don't understand muggle life at all. And yeah, so even the simplest things seem fascinating. Yeah, in the second book, he says, uh, he's like, um, now tell me, Harry. What exactly is the function of a rubber duck? Yeah, exactly. So there's probably a whole chapter in this book about what what a TV is and why muggles stare at it for eight hours a day. <laughs> uh, and what's on the other side of it and what what's even the point, you for, know? For kids only like two. Yeah, exactly. Well, no one should really watch eight hours of TV, but I'm sure a lot of people do. <laughs> so uh, Ron and Hermione still not happy with each other. Pets are probably murdered in some corner somewhere. Uh, Harry is awakened from sleep by a scream. Ron tells him he saw Sirius Black in their room with what? A dagger. With a knife, yeah. Sir Cadigan, who's supposed to be guarding the entrance. And it's not a butter knife. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Sir, Ga- Sir Cadigan's supposed to be guarding the entrance. Uh, how did Sirius Black get through the, the wall, get through the door? Because... Um, because ne- remember when Neville dropped all the passwords? Yes. Um, apparently, the password for that week was on the paper, and he found it. So Neville is sort of responsible for letting Sirius Black into the Gryffindor common room. And trying to kill Trying Ron. to kill Harry. And also, uh, Sir Cadigan has let the guy that he's specifically trying to keep out in 
Yeah, you should. You should just say. Did no one show him a picture? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you should just scream, "Murderer! Murderer!" Yeah, you should have freaked out and told all the paintings to start screaming and get the teachers out there. He's <laughs> he's terrible. Like like tell one painting and then the other painting will tell the other painting until they get to Dumbledore's office or something. And that's and that is kind of the way that uh, that the paintings communicate. So. You know, they 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 could have uh, they could have certainly transmitted that information to Dumbledore, and and you know they could have just had a picture of uh, Gary Oldman from the movies and said he looks like this. Don't let this guy in. So uh, chapter, and then also you know Neville's in trouble now for yeah he should be expelled. <laughs> well, I feel bad for Neville because he he couldn't remember all these crazy changing, constantly altering passwords. So- Every week, sometimes every day, sometimes every hour, every minute, every second. <laughs> yeah, it was multiple times a day by the end. And so he was having a hard time, and, uh, you know, he needed some help. So chapter 14, then, Snape's Grudge. Uh, the castle's being searched. they they got to find Black. He's probably still in there somewhere, right? Filch is boarding up every little opening in the castle to make sure no one can sneak in or sneak out. They fire Sir Cadigan and the fat lady's back. I guess her painting has been repaired. Neville is punished and gets a howler from his grandmother. Yay. <laughs> well, I still I feel bad for him. I feel like it's not really his fault. He was put in a weird circumstance. Plus... You're the one who said he was responsible. He was, he was responsible, but I don't think... Because his actions made it happen. But I don't think what he did was... Wrong. Malicious. I think you should punish the intent. For instance, you should punish Malfoy's intent to make Harry faint and hurt himself, even though that was never going to happen. But I don't think you should punish Neville for having his only intent was trying to get through the crazy painting. And uh, the other thing to point out here is that, especially at this point, all of the other students at Hogwarts, they don't live this life-or-death situation that Harry lives. They're just trying to be at school, you know? They're not, uh... They're not being tracked down by the most dangerous wizard in the world. <laughs> they're just trying to get through class and... Be normal wizards. Hang out with their friends and go home on the on the holidays and and get good grades, and that's it. And just so... be a normal person. Yeah, and so asking them to... Well, normal for them. Asking them to, uh carry this load of of life and death and murderousness and and evil and whatnot is a lot, especially for 13-year-olds, you know? Um, they they shouldn't have to deal with all this stuff. Again, this is... The adults should be taking care of this, not the children. It shouldn't be their responsibility. So, anywho, uh, Harry's crazy life is sort of thrust onto all the other kids, and it's not their fault. Uh, so, they're searching the castle. They gotta find everybody. Um, they gotta find Black. Hagrid invites Ron and Harry over to to visit with him. He's got some bad news. He knows that Buckbeak's case is coming up, and that Hermione has been visiting Hagrid because she's sad. At this point, I don't know why Harry would be mad at Hermione. I think he's just siding with Ron on this. Perhaps. I don't know. But she seems like this is one of those times where she has no friends. So, she's stressed out from school. She has no friends. Uh, there's another Hogsmeade trip. So this is the third or fourth one this year. Harry finally has a bright idea. What's his idea? Um. What does he decide to take with him this time? 
Invisibility cloak. Invisibility cloak. Finally, a good idea. Finally, some smart thinking, even from Harry, who's, you know, still breaking the rules, but at least he's got a better plan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he takes his Marauder's Map. He takes his Invisibility Cloak. He goes through the statue of the One-Eyed Witch, and he heads on out, and then there's Neville. Neville shows up, and then Snape shows up, too. Tells him to get out of there. So Hevel, uh, Harry, has not Hevel. Hevel. Hevel's got to shake off Neri. No, (laughs) Harry's got to shake off Neville, get rid of him. And he gets through the tunnel, he gets to Hogsmeade, he finds Ron. He's got the invisibility cloak. And then, uh... They check out the Shrieking Shack, and they find Draco, Crab, and Goyle. Being invisible, Harry has a chance to have some fun. So what does he do? Um, he sort of beats him up. He throws mud at him for sure. I know that. I thought that was snow. It's snow in the movie. It's I, th- I believe it's mud in the books. Mm. Um, he he kind of uh trips him and makes him fall on each other, and they think it's he a pulls, ghost or something, he right? He pulls down his pants, which that, is kind of gross. I think that's also just the movie. But, uh... But, Draco... No, who who's somebody... Crab uh, catches his foot on Harry's cloak, and they see Harry's face for a moment. And now they're even more freaked out, because they don't know that Harry has an invisibility cloak. They, so they think it's just a floating Harry head out, <laughs> out in the middle of the woods, you know? <laughs> Yeah, so they run off. They're gone. They're freaking out. Uh, Harry thinks that maybe Draco is going to run back to school and tell on him if he figures out that it really is Harry. So Harry runs back to Hogwarts as fast as he can. Who does he run into? Uh, The last person he would want to see in this point, besides Draco. (laughs) Professor Snape. Oh. Professor Snape catches Harry and takes him to his office. Wait, what about the invisibility cloak? He uh, stashes it in the tunnel so that he can get back to it later if he needs to. That's right. So uh, Snape takes him to his office and he tries to get Harry to confess. You know, you snuck out. So what does he do to get Harry mad? Um... He starts saying bad things about Harry's dad. Oh. Saying he was uh, selfish and that he was uh, arrogant. And Harry says, Dumbledore told me that my dad saved your life. You remember that? Mm Mm-hmm. What does Snape have to say about that? (laughs) I think he just disagrees with the entire thing. He says that your, your dad's not a hero. He was trying to save his own skin when he saved my life, if that if that even happened. So he tells Harry to empty his pockets, and he pulls out a bunch of Zonko's tricks that he just bought, but maybe he didn't necessarily buy them just now. Snape doesn't know that. Or maybe, like, Fred and George bought them at Hogsmeade and yeah. gave them to him, like, a month ago. But then he pulls out the blank parchment of the Marauder's Map, and Snape is suspicious of it. He's like, reveal your secrets. Reveal your secrets. <laughs> and then it says, Messrs. Mooney... Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs give their many blessings or something to Professor Snape and prefer that he keep his abnormally large nose out of other people's business. 
Yeah, so he's uh, insulted by the paper. And then... Uh, Lupin shows up. He calls for Lupin, which I didn't know you could do this. He throws some flu powder into the fireplace and calls for Lupin. And then Lupin just steps out of it, almost like he was paged. And uh, he says, oh, it's obviously... This is just a, a joke parchment. This, um, this is something from um, the joke's place. Um, it's designed it, to insult you or something. Yeah, it's a parch. It. This seems to be a parchment that, um, like insults you. insults yes. every any person who tries to read it. And then Ron shows up and says, "Oh, I bought that. I bought that at Zonko's. That's a joke. I gave it to Harry." And so Lupin takes Harry away, sort of rescuing him from Snake's, Snape's wrath, Snake. and uh, mentions that he knows that it's a map. He also knows who made it, uh, which makes Harry kind of curious. Uh, on their way back to Gryffindor Tower, they run into Hermione, and she shows them a letter stating what? That um, Buckbeak was proven guilty. And will be... Executed. executed, yes. So, bad news for uh, Hagrid for sure, and for justice in general, because we know that it was Buckbeak wasn't really guilty. Yeah, it was really um, Malfoy's fault because um, he was basically insulting the um, Buckbeak and disobeying Hagrid's instructions and not being respectful of Hagrid or. Buckbeak or his classmates or anyone. So uh, it just shows you how far you can go when you've got power and influence, even if you're wrong, uh, that they're going to have this animal executed that doesn't deserve to be. Certainly Hagrid's probably broken up. So when we come back, we'll be at chapter 15, the Quidditch final, and we will finish out the book and, uh, and then move on from there to book four. So Finally. lots of stuff is in the air here. We've got uh, the fate of Buckbeak. We've got the murderer Sirius Black. Yeah, there, got, there's a bunch of murdering and insulting in this and, book. And what's going to happen with the Quidditch final? And that's obviously probably the what, least real problem. But what's going to happen to anything? Where is, how is Hermione getting to all of her classes? These are all questions that must be answered in our final episode of book three. So I would imagine the yeah, last... Like, I would imagine the last third of this book is going to have All quite a bit of action. Lots of stuff's going to happen, right? Yeah. So there you go. Uh, I do want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. If you would like to support Potter and Daughter or any of the other Hijinks and Sue endeavors, check out patreon.com slash Hijinks and Sue and pledge any amount that you like, a dollar, two dollars, five dollars a month, whatever, and help us keep Potter and Daughter going and keep it free for everyone uh, and and help us finish out the series. And then, who knows, maybe we'll finish the series and find some other things to do episodes about. One of those might be a question-and-answer episode. If you have questions for us uh, about the entire book series, any, any fact or item or uh, question you have from any Harry Potter-related uh, media, book or movie, uh, feel free to email podcast at hijinksandsue.com. Uh, and then if you want to uh, fill out a question on our uh, question form, it's podcast.hijinksandsue.com. Click on the uh, contact form and uh, send us your Harry Potter-related questions. 
Thank you to the band Harry and the Potters for our theme song. This book is so awesome. And uh, thank you to Lily for being my excellent co-host. What do you think? Good episode? Yeah, great episode. Great episode. Kapow. This book is so awesome.